Present day. <laughs> Present time. <laughs> And you don't seem to understand A shame you seemed an honest man And all the fears you hold today Will turn to whisper in your ear And you know what they say, my heart you And you know that it means so much And you don't even Hello and welcome to BakaCast for the week of August 24th, 2018. I'm your host, Dustin, and with me today is Larry. Really? Ben. Oh, today's actually my sister's birthday. Oh, congratulations to your sister, if she listens to this, which probably she doesn't. She doesn't, because <laughs> she actually has, like, a real job. Probably for the best. Also, hey, I have a real job. Yeah, you do. Doctor. But we, we're not, oh, we're, okay. we're not going to get well. into that. We're not going to get into <laughs> I, that. I that out job job's your real job, Doctor. <laughs> Shut up. I do my best. And then their <laughs> background modulation is known as Aaron. Yeah, that, that person who's nagging me about my career <laughs> is Aaron. <laughs> All right, anyway. Uh, you can find show notes for this episode at www.projectari.net and at audioentropy.com. Uh, so uh, this week uh, we will be covering uh, several shows. Uh, but first of all, let's talk about the second part of Godzilla, uh, which I believe the subtitle was something. Uh, it was like City at the Edge of... City on the Edge of Battle. Right, City on the Edge of Battle. Uh, I really like this episode, uh, or I guess it's weird to call it episode. Movie. Um, this part, this movie, this Godzilla movie, um, mostly for, <laughs> there was a really great moment when Aaron was watching it and I kind of had the same reaction and it was just nice to see, uh, him like message me on steam as he was watching and like the message was just him saying, in all caps, Mecha Godzilla City. <laughs> yeah, when they first get there, and they're just like, this is Mecha Godzilla. No, Mecha Godzilla City. Yeah, it's it's real dumb and real great, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like. <laughs> Yeah, it's like okay. It's like yeah, they yeah they find out that uh, yeah they find out that these uh, well I guess humanoid insect people <laughs> that were uh, you know that they're sort of you know hiding in the shadow of Godzilla. Uh, you know, it turns out they've been using uh, they've been using the nanomaterials that uh, Mecha Godzilla was made out of to. Uh, you know, to make weapons that to fight like various monsters to fight the monsters, uh, and it was like, oh wait, oh so we can so like okay, so we can get some stuff out of like the remains of Mechagodzilla, okay, yeah. Then 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 they get there's like, oh wait, <laughs> Mechagodzilla turned into a city, yeah, <laughs> for some I... reason. 
Yeah, because like the the one alien race that's like super logical, uh, is like, oh yeah, sweet, we'll 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 make Mechagodzilla out of self replicating metal. What could possibly go wrong? Clearly, they have never heard of the uh, what is it, gray goo? Well, then... apparently, like to them, being part of the gray goo is actually optimal, which we find out later in the movie in a twist that literally everyone could see coming. Yeah. Oh yeah, jump uh, except in, yeah. For apparently for the main character. Yeah, jump in the ship. Uh, Everything will be just fine. Boy, were those famous uh, last words. Yeah. Before we get to that part, though, I I do like how they're very slowly introducing Mothra, um, because that's clearly what the the sort of human insect people are supposed to be. Like they're sort of the Mothra guardians, especially like twin sisters the egg. Uh, there's the egg there's the fact that uh, to protect them from um all like the weird stuff going on with the planet they put dust they like sprinkle moth <clears throat> dust on their bodies yeah which uh, you seems know, to immune you from the nanometal until you just pointed that out i didn't get it but that totally scans and i yeah. love this movie even more yeah, it's 100% moth dust, and I love that, like, you kind of just are like, huh, that's weird, I wonder what they put on them. And then you're like, wait, Mothra, wait, moths have dust, and it looks <laughs> shiny like that. Yeah, sure It's like, does. oh, you clever sons of bitches. Yeah, it, it, it's nice <laughs> that they didn't explicitly say it and just left it for you to figure out, but they left enough hints for it to, yeah. uh, hints. For it to definitely... Yeah, uh, like where if you know enough about the like traditional Godzilla canon, you will like eventually like put the pieces together. Uh, yeah, it's it, it's real cool. I, I like how they're uh, I like what they're doing with uh, sort of the Mothra civilization, um, and I I really like what they did with uh, Mechagodzilla City as well. Uh, I like how just stupidly big it is and how they basically make uh kind of like gundam-esque like halfway between real robot and super robot mecha mm-hmm. with the metal alloy yeah i like this one i don't think i liked it as much as the first one because there's a bunch of issues i have with this for instance uh when they make the mecha things this nanomaterial that can apparently become anything, they can't make more of the mecha because they don't have the base mecha? They don't have a mold to copy from, yeah, I heard that. I, but I think the idea was it would take too much time without the base mecha, like just creating one from scratch, because like the whole thing with uh, building the defenses is that it's like, oh, it will, it'll take like four hours to make the like ablative shielding and also like the EMP harpoons. So I, 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 maybe it just wasn't communicated well by the text. I'd have to go back and listen to it. But <clears throat> the impression I got was not that they can't make one from scratch, but it would take way too long. Yeah, the problem with that is that when they, uh, when they adjust the, uh, like priority from defense to making the cannons faster. They build really fast. Yeah, it's there's definitely some sort of uh, malle- malleable Dragon Ball Z time going on. <laughs> um, 
And then... Oh, the, the sort of, if Mechagodzilla can build a city, why didn't he just rebuild himself? Um, here we go. I think that has to do, I, I want to say that has to do with Mechagodzilla's programming. Because, like, Mechagodzilla was meant to, was programmed to defeat Godzilla. So, you could sort of make, you could make the argument that Mechagodzilla decided the best way to do that was not to make Mechagodzillas, but rather to make a Godzilla fighting city. Again, it's kind of a stretch, but also, like, so is just the concept of Mechagodzilla. Yeah. <laughs> like, in the hopes that one day someone will come back, reactivate the city, and use it? Yeah, I, I, it, I don't know. <laughs> uh, like I said, I, I found a lot more inconsistencies in this one than the first one. Yeah, that's certainly true. Uh, none of them, like, super really bothered me. I'd say the thing that bothered me most is, like, sort of near the end where we have the super dramatic scene of... Um, I keep forgetting the main character's name. Haruto. Uh, Haro. Haro, oh. where... He's being implored by the <coughs> sort of uh, logic aliens to, like, just let himself be taken over by Mechagodzilla City. Uh, and he has way, way longer of a... He takes way longer than I figured to think about it than it seemed like he would given his previous reactions to such a concept especially like with his girlfriend like dying right next to him um like it with like with with some other characters in the show i could see them sort of anguishing over the choice um but it, it just felt like it t took too long um uh, especially given how like blatantly bad of an bad of an idea it was um yeah and also the fact that like i i feel like everyone except the main character saw it coming from a mile away <laughs> yeah. the, the biggest like, problem... especially when they already mentioned that they wanted to do it <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah the biggest problem in the in the entire movie for me also comes at the end when when they're like yeah we have to dive bomb but there's a weakness in the humans. That's why we need to convert cover you in nanometal. It's like, wait, couldn't you just eject the pilots and remote control it? Yeah, that's something that's something else um I was actually wondering about because I thought uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I thought like when they were building the initial when they were strengthening the initial mecha yeah, he um, told her that she for didn't the, have, yeah. for the female lead to use that like the G forces on it would be too much to actually handle, so she'd need to pilot it remotely. Yeah, and but then that didn't a end up second delay. Yeah, but then that didn't end up happening. Yeah, so they've already established that they can remotely pilot it. So, yeah, that that was the biggest problem I had with this movie. So there must have been something lost in translation between the original idea and the script. Yeah, it's 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 super weird that like they that yeah that they didn't just forcefully eject the pilots and then you know because he had already let 
Mechagodzilla City consume him, surely he could then remotely pilot the, uh, in fact, even pilot the, you know, Mecha even better than the human pilots could at that point. Yeah. So especially since, uh, especially since the whole plan was that uh, they were going to fuse with the, uh, the that the uh, the three uh, the three mech units were going to fuse together into one, basically, giant dive bomber. Yeah. And so when yes. she tried to eject, uh, that's when all hell broke loose. Yeah. yeah it just if. If she actually ends up being dead, I'm gonna actually kind of be pissed. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> she's like, she's like one of the only female characters uh, in the show, um, and to just kill her off like that would like super suck. Just I to mean, like make the main character angry. But but he, they they've got to uh, do the ship with the uh, the twins. Yeah. On the other hand, like if it turns out she survived, but she's been permanently altered by Mechagodzilla, I'd be okay with that. Um, but yeah, it would suck to just kill her off like that, kind of unceremoniously. Well, yeah, I, ben, I, don't, I don't think she's gonna stay yeah, dead. Well, Ben and I were discussing that before you guys got on, and <clears throat> yeah, we're pretty sure that she's gonna be around. Uh, she's oh. listed in the cast. Oh, for the third movie, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, good. Because but, yeah, because like like the cliffhanger ending makes it look like they just did a dramatic kill off. Well, but see, especially thing- since like when they teased that like the previous uh, movie, they almost immediately revealed like, oh yeah, no, the main character's fine. <laughs> well, the the thing is, is the the only thing that could happen is that the voice would still be there but as a ghost voice and we were hoping that 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 that's a possibility but that's that'd be stretching it or in a flashback or yeah like said ghost voice merges with yeah she merges with godzilla city and is now the sort of pseudo ai or or something like that yep that's always possible yeah uh but yeah like uh, i i definitely think it wasn't as strong as the first movie um and i you know can't disagree with any of your points and in fact i thought of a few of them myself uh but yeah overall like it was i think it was still over uh still a pretty fun movie um and it had a like actually interesting take on mecha godzilla uh and also made the big godzilla the og godzilla <laughs> into an even more ridiculous threat <laughs> It's like, oh no, he's adapted. <laughs> I just, I just like when they're in the the mothership, and they're like, "Hey, let's run a simulation and see if he can laser us from here." Oh, right, he yeah. can. Yeah, hmm. and they're like, "Oh yeah, it's not even hard. He can easily just yeah, laser us yeah, from up here." We're toast at this altitude. <laughs> yeah, I, I, th- I think near the end where uh, Godzilla is, um, uh, after he's like cooled off. Um, from the EMP torpedo and fires a bunch of lasers into the air. They're like, "Oh crap! That's even more power than we projected." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just well, like, huh? Huh? That that doesn't seem good. Hmm. On the plus fish. side, he probably doesn't see us. Yeah. Well, he. I was waiting for. I was waiting for the for like the twist. Where like they're looking on their <laughs> monitors that show Godzilla, and then you just see Godzilla looking directly at the monitor. Yeah, Whoops. Or it's like he doesn't, he doesn't, eat, or even if he does see them, he doesn't acknowledge them as a serious threat. Yeah, it's like whatever. It's just a spaceship. 
Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to the next to the third and I believe final movie, yes, which should is. have which uh, should have Mothra in it yeah, and the, possibly uh, Ghidorah. As oh yeah, and also Ghidorah. I for, I forgot they teased Ghidorah at the end. Uh, oh man, that's anyway, gonna be great. Uh, I put the link yeah. to when the uh, next movie will be out. If you'll back up <laughs> a little bit, Lord. yeah, November ninth so, in Japan. Yeah, so they've, uh, okay, so and yeah, Netflix, there were some plot Netflix. contrivances, but still an enjoyable movie overall. I'm going to give it a four. Yeah, I can live with the four. I will, I will definitely agree with a four. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I looked at that, and I'm like, yeah, and it says Netflix whenever. Well, okay, we know about Netflix, and we know about whenever, so hopefully we'll get it before Christmas 2020. <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm it, it comes out november 9th which means that it'll probably go on blu-ray for five or six months later yeah we might have it about spring next year yeah mm-hmm. and i i want to say there wasn't a big delay between when no it wasn't the, not when it was released on blu-ray and uh, when it came out on netflix so hopefully we might get it by christmas i just don't know which year Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't count on this Christmas, but yeah. Well, you um, know, Stranger Things doth have happened. So. Yeah, it's. I did enjoy it. I don't think it was as good as the first one. Um, I also have issues with them being like, yeah, the insect people evolved over 20,000 years. It's like, no, that's not how evolution works. <laughs> it is. It is a bit of a. A, a bit of a quick turnaround uh, for evolution, even at twenty thousand years. Well, but uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, you know, oh, shit, other... got, shit got weird down there. Well, the other, the, well, the other thing could be too is that you know their numbers could be off. Maybe it wasn't twenty thousand years in the future. Maybe it's a little longer. But you know, the the ship forgot to carry the pie and divide it by apple, berry, yeah. or cherry. But also, like in a universe where Godzilla and King Ghidorah exist, you know, it's it's not too much of a stretch stretch to be like, yeah, sure, moth people, why not? Look, it, yeah. it, if the next the next thing comes up and there's seven Dragon Balls of Vegeta's there, I, that's it. I'm, <laughs> I've got it. It's all handled. Yeah, I'm curious because like that they implied with Mothra, but they never made it directly stated. So I don't think he's going to show up in the third movie. Uh, um, Ghidorah, there are, though, there are spoilers for the third movie that you might find online and take a look at, and it might change your opinion of things slightly. Hmm. And then Ghidorah, though, is like specifically made a huge deal out of, especially in the ending scene. Mm-hmm. Which, and as we know from many, many other Godzilla movies, the only thing that can kill other monsters is Godzilla. So. It's going to be interesting to see if they somehow get him to fight Ghidorah well, or something. Well, the title of the third movie is Godzilla the Planet Eater. So, Yeah, that sounds like Ghidorah, not Godzilla. Yeah. But we'll see. Uh, um, like, and uh, also we know. have the plot thing with uh, the creepy Exif dude repairing his artifact thing that totally isn't going to come up later. Uh, I, I kind of hope they do like the the double twist where it turns out he's actually not. He, he just looks like he. He just seems like he's creepy, and he's actually just you know trying to be helpful. Yeah, he's actually just a great guy, <laughs> yeah, just trying help, to help his friend out. Yeah, helpfully creepy. Yeah. 
Look, the alien, the aliens can't help it. They're just, they just seem naturally creepy and uh, weird. Now you got to remember, <laughs> healthfully creepy and Japanese anime do run hand in hand, though. Well, that's the thing. Is the uh, let's see, I think let's see the the Bill Salado aliens, uh, the like the red faced logical ones. I yeah. mean, like in the first movie, they seem like stand up guys, and then in this movie, oh, actually turned out no, not so much. Yeah, I mean, they're still stand up. They're just willing to become monsters, effectively. Fall on their they swords. They understand that they need to do whatever it takes to do this, and they're fine with that. It's, uh, the greater on. issue comes with the sort of Grey Goo scenario. Yeah. Oh. And also forcing other people to become Grey Goo. Yeah. Which, to be fair, they didn't do until the very end. Yeah, they could have... With the pilots. And and, and I, even then, that was... The, we have no other choice other than to remote control it, but... And I'm trying to figure out how much the twins really know, because there was a couple times the twins stepped in during the movie and was like, oh... Interesting. Why are you guys here, and why are you guys doing this all of a sudden? I mean, the twins have a basic idea that Mechagodzilla is trouble because they call it they call it poison, I believe. Well, the reason that they called it poison is because it's poisonous to them. Yeah. If you remember, uh, they were saying that a lot of the people, well, all of the people that were taken care of them and healed by them, that got the powder stuff on them, mm-hmm. were feeling bad when they were in the Mechagodzilla. City. Oh yeah, yeah. And that was, I think, the the fact that he, the fact that Haro had been dosed with the powder, uh, also explains why uh, the uh, why he wouldn't, why he didn't get taken over by the nanomaterial. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That that was the implication is that he was protected by Mothra dust. Um, something that I just remembered was uh, like they said that when they lost Mechagodzilla that they somehow lost the ability to make the nanometal? Except not. Well, like, I don't I, mean, I don't understand how do you, like, lose the, the knowledge to make it? Yeah, because, like, because I don't think Mechagodzilla had a, like, central processing core or anything, like, again, it was a sort of Grey Goose scenario, um, and like it, the, like the, the Mothra people actually like just had just like disconnected chunks that they would use to make their, their nanometal mm-hmm. that, that weren't even connected to the greater sort of Mechagodzilla hive mind. So I'm not sure why they lost the ability just cause they blew up a big chunk of the city. Yeah, so I don't I think don't... it got entirely destroyed. No. Like, like, I don't... Did did they not back up the data on how to make... Like, it just... It doesn't make any sense. I don't know. Maybe maybe <laughs> somebody will take 30 seconds in the next movie and try to explain it to us. Maybe. It's fine. Ne- next movie, they'll come up with a different technology called New Metal. <laughs> well, keep in mind that it took 20,000 years to go from uh, the head of Mechagodzilla to Mechagodzilla City. Yeah. Uh, so the, the natural formation of nanometal is probably really slow without a uh, without a big infrastructure behind it. Possibly, but I believe that the specific, specifically what they say is that they lost the ability to make it. Or I they... don't buy that. Hold on. I don't know. 
Yeah, I can't remember that line, but it'd be weird if they said that, yeah. Alright, we'll continue uh, on, and I will extract the subs and try and find it. Alright, sounds good. Um, anyway, uh, anything else to say about Godzilla, or shall we move on to uh, the next review? Uh, I think uh, I think we're good. On, I think we done beat Godzilla to death. Alright, sounds good. So we'll, we'll go back to that if uh, Aaron can find the relevant line. Um... And instead, we'll uh, next talk about uh, episodes 11 through 13 of Fate Extra Last Encore. There's some wild stuff that happened in these episodes. Um, I do appreciate that uh, Gawain is the most try-hard of the knights. Very accurate. I also did quite enjoy the fight scene between Nero and Gawain both times, actually. I'm always a big fan of giant, like, beam swords ever since Final Fantasy VIII came out. Uh... And I also, and I also, uh, something I found interesting was that uh, these three episodes also sort of reveal that um, Last Encore is not actually a direct sequel to Fate Extra and Fate Extella, um, because uh, Twice Peace Man is not a character in those games, if unless I'm remembering incorrectly. No, because yeah. in Fate Extra, like she does. Uh, Hakuno does reach the Grail, and she's just interrupted by, uh, God, what's his name? Um, a different servant, I believe, actually. Uh, yeah, I can't the, the thing is, is as usual with Type Moon stuff, it's an AU to an ending to an AU to... It's best not to even try and be like, yeah, this is a sequel to, just, just don't. Yeah. Yeah, like it's 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 a sequel to a version of Fate Extra that took place in a different timeline than the actual Fate Extra did. <laughs> yeah, that, <that's>, <laughs> ultimately that's it doesn't way. matter. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's a sequel to an alternate reality. Yeah, which is why all the people saying, "Oh, you have to you know, have to play the games to even understand this anime," just make me angry because it's like, no, you don't. It doesn't even matter. <laughs> it's not even a sequel to them. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I... Yeah, okay, hold on, I found it. Okay. Uh, the explanation on nanometal. Autonomous metal, if I recall, it was a material used for Mechagodzilla. Mechagodzilla was attacked right before activation and was destroyed with the laboratory. The development data was also lost. And oh, you said it okay. can't be recreated. Huh, it's interesting that the data itself was not stored in Mechagodzilla. Wait, that just, or that Mechagodzilla that... didn't pr somehow preserve it. It's like, hey guys, we have this incredible weapon, we'll just keep it on one server. Yep. Well, there was this budget oh, well. cut, and, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of dumb. Uh, anyway, uh, I, I really enjoyed, uh, the stuff in 11 through 13. I... 
really liked the like all the talking about sort of like the nature like why the grail war failed um simply because of like the people who succeeded were not good leaders um and the idea that like to for the moon cell automata to actually serve as a sort of salvation for humanity you not only have to be a powerful like master but also you have to have the proper mindset to be a leader and um i think his name is leo is that right Mm -hmm. Uh, and leo and both leo and twice peace man did not have the right mentalities to be a proper leader because leo just wanted to you know keep things going out as they were and twice just wanted to you know uh let things burn basically yeah like now he wanted to reset things to the past yeah to do it do a do-over well, not even that. It's like what it what it was was that uh, he basically stopped believing in humanity. Yeah, and 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 so he was prepared to basically, uh, you know, let humanity go extinct. Yeah, and I also like the fact that they made twice Peace Man another dead face. Um, simply to contrast, like, how, uh, how, basically how he let, um, hate control him, whereas, like, Hakuno, who, who, you know, early on in the series, uh, struggled with finding a, uh, finding a direction for all his anger and hate and outlet for it and, like, a reason to care uh ended up like becoming a hero because of the influence that nero had on him um well also they're they're different they were different kinds of dead faces because uh twice peace man he was a dead face but he was like basically a continuation of the will of one man yeah just his own dead face as opposed to hakuno who was sort of a dead face of the collective students wills essentially yeah um but yeah i i really enjoyed everything that happened in these episodes and it it was a little slow but ultimately um i i liked how i i actually was a fan of not only the way it got to its conclusion, but also the conclusion itself. Um, yeah, where Rin, <laughs> Rin is the Rin gets to be the the sole survivor. Yeah, and the way I interpreted that ending is like, okay, it's Rin, but also it's Rin with like golden blonde hair. So it's okay. like, okay, so, so, so he did. So here's the thing: the Rin that is in Fate Extra is not the Rin that's in Fate Stay Night. It's yeah. she's a descendant thereof, and most likely uh, mixed with um, uh, stupid um, girl hair lady. Um, oh right, okay. Uh, oh, I can't. The remember. one who at the end of Fate Stay Night like did a suplex on her. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah that, that's, okay. that's Luvia. Yes, Luvia. That their family, which is why her hair in the thing is sort of drill hairy and blonde. But oh, anyway, dang. so she, she's he, a she's a, a descendant basically. Aw, uh, dang! Here I was thinking that like the symbolism behind that is that uh, Hakuno used his last wish to like sort of preserve Nero in uh, Rin's body, kind of like making her a demi demi servant for Nero, because like Rin is a master is like a really powerful master and Nero is a good leader. So no, and there's there's a lot of debate as to whether the scene at the end with Rin is the actual world or if Rin gathered up the people that were still alive on the world and returned to the moon cell to live. I mean, it seemed like the moon cell just given the structure of it and sort of it being gradually built in the background. And also, like, that's, a, I believe, essentially what happens at in Extella, mm-hmm. um, where rather than saving the Earth, the moon cell just becomes a haven for the remnants of humanity, at which Nero and Tamamo and Altera and the player character uh, sort of end up ruling over. Um, but yeah. So yeah, also I I cho- I still choose my interpretation that it's a, a fusion of Rin and Nero. All all interpretation. <laughs> this is type Moon Dustin. All interpretations are valid. Yeah. So uh, because at least, at least I, I like to imagine reality. that Hawk. I like to imagine that Hakuno, as his last act, made the uh, best girl possible. <laughs> wow, you are asking for a lot there, aren't you? <laughs> so, um, I have something I want you to read, Dustin, out loud. Oh, okay. Um, it is PG thirteen. It is PG thirteen, correct? Yeah, I'm editing out the uh, profanity. Okay. Okay. Um, so, for everyone to understand how insane and ridiculous and absurd the type anything that Nasu touches is this is one of the interpretations of the uh, as, as far as uh, where's the universe and what happened oh so boy. go ahead and read that out loud Dustin okay pause for a second this universe can't be the same as notes because in notes humanity is definitely getting killed the F off before a thousand whole years passed and type moon isn't letting a computer on the moon stop him the stories may have the same starting point with the Aylesbury ritual, but this result implies Gaia doesn't freak the F out and call all her big brothers to exterminate humanity, and humanity in return never evolves into the A-rays to cope, which kind of proves Twice's point about war being necessary for survival. In the note scenario, humanity evolves to a point where the Haraways wouldn't have needed to ration what's left. That's a lot of proper nouns that I do not understand. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. And there's actually an error in there because the note scenario is actually 3,000 years ahead of where we currently are as opposed to 1,000. But... I want to ask what the Aylesbury ritual and A-rays are, but also I kind of really don't. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah, no, no. There's, in other there's words, so the, much. Uh, danger, danger. Will Robertson signal is going off. Yeah, just, just don't, just go. Okay. Honestly, yeah. that's better than what I thought you were gonna post. I thought you were gonna post like a, a tight moon fanboy just talking about <laughs> how much he hated what happened with the uh, Fate Extra. No, no. Because uh, I've definitely seen some comments like uh... that. Um when I was looking for the torrents for Last Order. Well, you, yeah, it's... Last Encore, I mean. It's interesting. It's... There are some people who got super angry, and I don't know why. Yeah. Well, that's the discussion that we were having before we got started. Is <laughs> yeah. We're still trying to figure out why is the whole world upset over this. Yeah, because, like, I was thinking, like, okay, look, I don't get it now, but maybe the conclusion will come out and it'll end up being garbage at the end and they'll be justified. But no, I actually really like the ending. Yeah, <laughs> so. like, the biggest thing is that, like, when, when they got Nasu to write the script, Nasu can't write, like, anime scripts. He wrote it like a novel. And then they had to go through and sort of pick out the parts to make into the script to go into the anime. Yeah, so which honestly good because I I I've seen unadulterated Nasu and I do not want unadulterated Nasu. No, uh, it's too much. Um, so uh, like one of the things is that there was a lot of material and background stuff on the website. Uh, so it's it's sort of a, it's all there in the manual type thing, but of course that was never translated into English. Um. But, uh, yeah, like what <laughs> happened to Shinji's girlfriend? Uh, hold on. <laughs> How she appeared before, and then she was talking with Rin in um, Alice's Wonderland, and then she just <gasps> never pops up again? Oh, right, yeah. I thought, I thought that was implied she got murdered by Alice, <laughs> like by the Jabberwocky or whatever just it, it's it's weird i don't know i i enjoyed it it really it was that real stupid at times it didn't sound like an enjoyable comment it sounded like bored to tears comment <laughs> aaron's aaron's just also always operating at a constant level of tired <laughs> uh, you have no idea how correct that is <clears throat> Um, um, believe it or not, I can I can sympathize with the constant level of tired lately. I I but do yeah. like moving on. I really like Nero's last moments, where she's yeah. just like, "Nah, no, nah, I'm gonna burn out and stop this thing." Yeah, Nero Nero has a great final moment. I I also love every one of Nero's self important monologues. <laughs> I admit, by the end, like, yeah, the by the end of episode thirteen, I was getting the feels. <laughs> nice. It, it actually touched you to the bottom of your keyboard. Something like and we, that. And we get more uh, Hakuan scenes. Yep. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give. This, I'm, yeah, I'm gonna give this series a five. I really, really enjoyed it, um, and <clears throat> I, I'm especially glad that it turned out so well, uh, simply because um, Nero is 
my one of my favorite servants um and so it's it's nice that the series that starred her got to be my favorite <laughs> oh yeah nero's last line and to your efforts a thunderous applause yeah i love that last line so much okay okay anyway. i'm gonna give uh, this series a four i enjoyed it a whole lot but i guess i don't have quite the same connection to the fate lore as you do uh, but I still liked it. Yeah, it, I'm also going to give it a four, just because it could have been more cohesive, um, and not as much of it's all in the manual as it is. But uh, but I still really enjoyed it. Yeah, Although that's I'm probably really, true. I'm really surprised they didn't just adapt Fate Extra. It seems weird that they would just do this sort of AU interpretation. Yeah, but at the same time, I'm kind of glad that they went with something as weird as this. <laughs> um, I mean, things being weird is definitely Type Moon specialty. Well, yeah, I'm wondering is because hey, this is because this is because this is the type of like weird that really appeals to me. It's almost like an art house kind of weird. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, oh. it's like. You wouldn't think that, like, Tight Moon and Shaft would be a good combo, but it turned out worked, it worked way better than you'd, than you'd expect. It yeah, because it, it lends the thing, because it lends the whole thing a kind of dreamlike quality to it. Could which, think- like, really works well when the entire thing is set in a computer program that's slowly dying. Do you think maybe the weirdness is what people objected to? I don't know. No, because uh. like the weird thing is that there were people on both ends where that were that they didn't know Type Moon, and they weren't Type Moon fans that liked it and hated it, and then there were Type Moon fans that also liked it and hated it. So it was yeah, it confusing at best, was, annoying at yeah. most. Yeah. Also, dear Lord, I love Shaft animating stuff in the I... head tilt multiple scenes of like. <laughs> multiple camera angles from the same head tilt and yeah it's wonderful but yeah shaft th- this is how you need to make all anime cool moving on yeah, to all yeah, anime. It, it works especially it works especially well i think for for tight moon dialogue just because like tight moon dialogue has it, it doesn't feel like real people saying it so it, it feels like it feels like actors saying it um or it feels larger than life at times and you know shaft's animation of people talking also has sort of that theatrical like overly dramatic quality to it so it uh it fits a lot better than say ufo table animating two people walking in a circle (laughs) I do love UFO Tables animation, and I think it is incredible. But yeah, I, I think for, for this sort of fate stuff, Shaft was a, a better choice. Yeah, there, definitely. There were quite a few quality moments. They're just like, huh, that's weird. Yeah, yeah. There, there were certainly a, a few moments where um, the the animation wasn't quite up to task, but... 
overall, I I like that they went with Shaft for this as opposed to UFO Table. Um, mm-hmm. So I, th- I think it was more suited to that style. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, Shaft anyway. has, some, has, has, uh, some, has its strength and its weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> I think, uh, All right. Yeah, their big weakness is production management. The scenes that look good look really good. But there are also an equal amount of scenes that just look like a children's drawing. (laughs) No, no, no. Let's not get any kids upset at us. Uh, Anyway, anything else to say about Fate Extra? Thank God it's over. (laughs) Umu. So, all right. Someone, someone needs to do a video of all of her umus. Oh, so it, yeah, a uh, supercut of umus. Um, I'll I'll get right on that. <laughs> all right. Uh, anyway, moving on to uh, the first six episodes of Serial Experiments Lane, which is our retro review uh, One for of. this month. And it is extraordinarily timely, seeing as precisely 20 years ago it was airing. Yeah, we've got some good timing on this. Um, I remember... I, I don't remember a whole lot from back when I first tried to watch it on Tech TV. Um, one of the things that surprised me about Lane this time around is I did not realize... Like, I knew it got weird, but I had forgotten... <laughs> But I had forgotten, like, to the precise extent to which it got weird, and also how quickly it got weird. Because, <laughs> like, like, the, the, the first, first four, four episodes are, are pretty simple and down-to-earth, and then the fifth episode kicks in. Yeah, well, even then, like, in the first episode, the first episode introduces you to, like, a cyber ghost... And the second episode, I believe, is where we see the first instance of, like, the future drug. Well, you gotta throw the suicide in drug. Yeah, if, if you've seen, uh, if you've seen um, the Judge Dredd movie starring Carl Urban, it's essentially the same <laughs> drug. It just, like, makes, makes everything go all slow around you. <laughs> I like that, I like the, the Carl Urban Judge Dredd movie. Yeah, no, that was a great movie. I loved it. <laughs> it's just yep. interesting how like the the drug there did like essentially the same thing as the drug in Serial Experiments Lane, where it just makes everything appear all like super slow. Um, though though in Dread the drug seems to be more like a a drug to mellow you out, where in Lane it makes it makes you it's definitely an upper. <laughs> Uh, well, they call it different things. Like in Lane, they call it Excel. In uh, yeah. Dread, they call it Slow Mo. Yeah. So <laughs> apparently, like same same ultimate effect, just from di- different directions. Um, but yeah, I, uh, <clears throat> I I I was not I did not at all remember that Lane ended up going into like oh yeah, there's a secret organization that created like espers like cyber cyber espers and lane is like implied to be one of them well lane is probably becoming the ultimate ai 
Um. Well, I don't think she's an AI. I think she's specifically like a uh, a psychic, which in this universe, like espers have some form of um uh technological kinesis. Well, because uh, like there is I... that because there is because there is that one scene where she's and I think it's in episode five actually where she is telling the. Um, like the men in black to leave her alone and she causes a shock wave to go out go out of her window yeah she she wakes him up well see what i get back to is the uh, star trek episode where the guy put his memory on the computer and the computer takes over the ship and starts having and i look at lane i'm like okay so she and the computer are bonding and this is an interesting bond that's going on but it's not her She's becoming part of the computer. She's not being programmed by a computer. Well, okay, maybe <laughs> like it's it's tough to, it's tough well, to tell. Well, okay, uh, I'm trying. Yeah, I've been. I've like. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. I mean, I watched. I mean, like, I first watched this like 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 a decade ago, and then I rewatched it this week, and. Do you have a headache? And I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I was like, I've been trying to unpack in my head, like, what is going on. And as near as I can tell, right, they explicitly say that, you know, things, like, phenomena in the wired can affect the real world. Uh, yeah. And, and, okay, so what I think is going on is that Lane basically is, has two selves. Like, she has her real world self who's like this kind of, you know, kind of meek, introverted, you know, teenager. And then, but then she has a self that's like, then she has like a wired self who's like kind of really aggressive and domineering. Yeah, more shonen protagonist-y. <laughs> right. And, right. And so like at the start of the show, her real world self and her wired self sort of are basically separated, and they, they, like, like, her real-world self is completely unaware of her wired self. But, like, as the show goes on, they, like, the, uh, the connections deepen. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they, she's, her, her personalities start to be less separated, and they start to merge more into, like, a single personality. Yeah. Um, which is which is uh, initially um, hinted at by when I believe it's her sister comes or is it her mother? I think it's her sister. Um, comes home and sees her like working on her computer. It's her sister. Okay, yeah, it was her sister. That's what I thought. Um, I also also the first episode is interesting because it's it's. I think definitely the most contemplative and atmospheric of the show, uh, sort of like before the show goes, just take just dives right into the lower hole, um, where you've got just really extended periods of almost total silence, like just complete no dialogue, just entirely environmental noise, um, sort of uh, punctuated by. Um, the low-level droning of oh god the, the power it's, line it's, the power yeah, lines, it's, it's, which it's is 60 cycle a super good effect it's it's 60 cycle ac hum 
yeah. Wayne is one of the the shows in which I would recommend watching it in the lowest possible resolution, but listening to it in the highest possible quality. Yeah, yes. the the sound design in Lane is so good. <clears throat> well, covering the first six episodes has brought us to a point where it's like, yeah, you want to watch more because it's starting to get good, and you're like, yeah, I gotta stop. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I kept on wanting to see like where this was going next because uh, it's it's a trip. And yes, what if all ventured down into this rabbit hole? Of course. Yeah, Lane. Lane is friggin' wild. <laughs> like, I, you know, the thing uh, is, is now we have the luxury of watching it without commercials because Tech TV put commercials in where they belong, but boy, did it really mess up the flow of the show. Yeah, it's it's also hard to imagine a show like Lane being created. <laughs> <laughs> like in this current uh, market of anime, yeah, like, I don't, I don't think we'll ever see anything like Lane again. No, like we, we do occasionally get sort of the the low budget, like um, just original like anime that comes out and is very like, oh, this is this was definitely like a passion project. Um, stuff like, uh, oh God, what was that one superhero one that was like the reflection. Really yeah, the reflection, like that that thing, like sort of gave me similar vibes where it's like, okay, this thing is like just low budget and weird and sort of different enough to like clearly not be just like a cash grab. Well, the part, <laughs> well, okay, yeah, it, 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 yeah, it had some, uh, yeah, it had some unusual, like, but, but of course the, uh, the marketing hook was that it had Stanley's name on it. Yeah. I feel like that was just so that that was just like just done so somewhat like a producer would sign off on, sign off on it. Like ulti- like ultimately it did not feel at all like a Stan Lee joint. Um but yeah, that's that's the closest thing that wrote. That's the closest thing I can think of to giving me that the same vibe that Lane is giving me now. Um and that's just like this weird thing that some people made that isn't really like at all like what modern anime kind of tends towards. Um, yeah. I remember lane being like, even back when it was created lane was sort of like this weird offbeat thing. And it's even more of a stark contrast now. Uh, like even if you look at, you know, uh, others, modern cyberpunk anime. Oh yeah. Uh, But yeah, but the thing that gets me, <clears throat> okay, the thing that gets me is, uh, is like, okay, yeah, like figuring out the plot, you know, figuring out like the puzzle that is the plot and everything. That's kind of that has its appeal. But what gets me about this show is like, is the thematics, like what the point of all this stuff is. Yeah. Well, yeah, that that's a little less clear to me right now. What? Um. There's going to be a time here where the topic of is Lane God emerges. 
and depending on ah, but it does. Well, the thing, well, of course, the whole point. I think, I think the whole point is it's about, you know, you know, it's about the promise and pitfalls of a network world. Yeah. It's 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 actually the world that we're facing twenty years ago, and they didn't have all the right clues, but they were damn close. Yeah, even even more so, um, because like back in back when Lane came out in nineteen ninety eight, like a massive, like all encompassing all encompassing all encompassing social media didn't exist. Like we had. We had message boards forums, we had instant we had instant messaging, but we didn't have Twitter or Facebook or even really MySpace, I don't think, nope. at that point. Um, um Yeah. They had well yeah, they basically they had news groups and they had forums. Yeah, and like Twitter and Facebook, just from how massive they are uh, sort of changed how people interact with social media and also how social media can affect the real world. Like, it's a lot easier to harass people with a hate mob on Twitter than it was back in the day when um, communities were uh, were sliced <laughs> up into smaller pieces. Um. And, and especially now that like corporations are also on social media, it's pretty. It's a lot easier to, um, you know, harass people and like, uh, you know, as, as we've seen happen with uh, multiple uh, uh, women in media throughout GamerGate and you know continuing on, and also with. Uh, some of the recent stuff, like what happened with Steam, where uh, people organized um, to, uh, you know, uh, get Steam to uh, drop a bunch of like uh, indie games because of their content. It it's a lot easier. It's interesting because like Lane's whole like uh, thing about the wired. Uh, intersecting with the reality like in, in Lane it is a supernatural sort of effect whereas like now like yeah the wired does affect reality just in a much more literal way uh, well okay yeah I mean, I, and the thing is it's not even the social aspect it's not even the so not even just the social media aspect it's the internet of things yeah because because in our in our current reality basically you have like Every object, you know, just about every object that we touch is networked. Yeah, Russia can hack your refrigerator now, so... Right. Yeah, flush your toilet for you. And so, right, and so, like, in our current reality, like, for, you know, like, for network phenomena to affect the real world doesn't even require psychic powers. It just requires hacking skills. Yeah, and well. and companies who make uh, wired devices do have lax security protocols. <laughs> so, right. what you're saying is Lane looked at our future and damn near got it right. 
If anything, Lane was almost too optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, think. But yeah. <laughs> that that's kind of, that's kind of almost the depressing thing about Lane is that it's it almost serves this warning, but it wasn't harsh enough. <laughs> well, you know, it, if the envisionaries of 20 years ago got close to figuring out human nature and got this close to getting it right that makes it even more the scarier yeah well yeah because the thing is is that in our reality like in yeah in with (laughs) in the reality of lane lane is not a malicious god i mean she's a god but she's relatively benevolent uh but uh in in our reality there is no god mm, there are those who profess that they might be but yeah you're correct there is no yeah all right anyway uh, uh gee, is there anything more to say about this, did, Blaine at this point did this conversation yeah. take a turn nobody expected <laughs> uh, yeah and, and that's before where, i uh, get any more sad yeah yeah, and that's where, like, uh, Nietzsche's pronouncement that God is dead, he meant that that was a bad thing. <laughs> but Godzilla's not. Carrying on. Godzilla's not dead, no. Not yet. It's fine. Godzilla, <laughs> yeah. Godzilla will save us. Or at the very least, save the Earth. <laughs> yeah, wipe, out, wipe um, out the human infestation and let's start all over again. Anyway, uh, on to a... What? Are we going to give these episodes a rating? I I guess we can. It feels weird to... Yeah, yeah I'm going to do the uh, whole series. Yeah, yeah I kind of wait... I think I'll hold uh, off on giving it a yeah. rating until we finish yeah. the whole thing. Yeah, I want to wait to rate these until we're done with them. Or they're done with us, <laughs> however it works out. Right. Also... I gotta say that my favorite part of these, or one of my favorite parts of these episodes, is the transformation that Lane's room goes through. Yeah. Yeah, we were talking about it before. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, because it starts off with just like she has a bed and a desk with some stuff on it, and it ends up being like this cyberpunk hellscape room. Yeah, we were talking about it before we started recording, and I, I, I... I'm glad you brought it up so we could remember to say it, you know, here. But yeah, it is it is kind of wild how Lane's room just escalates. It's like she initially starts out with this simple computer, and then her dad buys more stuff for her. It becomes like a sort of big, like, desktop setup. And then, yeah, just her entire room just transforms into, like, this weird uh, sort of, like, Cronenbergian nightmare world she becomes she of becomes like a super, pipes she becomes, and like she becomes a super like screen yeah and and and, the, and what's great about it is that is a that transformation parallels like her transformation in becoming closer to her wired self now here's the question what's daddy's credit card look like after she's went computer shopping <laughs> yeah. well yeah, well, that's the thing, is that her wired self, for her wired self, money is no object. Yeah. Yeah, which means that she's probably owned or hacked into several banks to, yeah. 
Well, also, it's implied that her her father is just, like, super rich. Because, like, he was able to just casually buy her, like, the the latest tech. Yeah, Yeah, the the best on the market. I I got that part, but I just, I keep looking at that room and I'm going, yeah, daddy's got to see the credit card bill. I wonder what he thinks about this. Super rich or super connected. Either works. Yeah. Uh, I, I mostly didn't comment this thing because I don't want to give anything away. But um, my the, the the big thing with her room though is where are all those tubes and cables going? Yeah, it's, like some it, of them are the size of like my thigh. It's just yeah, like, it, where is it running to? It's it's definitely like a visual that's not really supposed to make any sort of sense whatsoever. Like because she's just got like pipes that it, it seems like are for liquid cooling but yeah. <laughs> they've got like these weird pressure valve sensors attached to them and like there seems like some things are barely holding together this would be the age where the first generation of liquid cool computers was wandering around the market and yeah, I had a friend of mine that had a liquid cool computer that actually had a small refrigerator sitting next to it to do the cooling. So it's like, yeah, it's not that far removed from insanity, but yeah, it's uh, it's bringing back memories for me, okay? I, I'm looking at this going, yeah, I remember seeing stuff like this. Wow, I'm glad it, I, I'm glad it didn't stay around. But yeah, I, I also like the moments when... Uh, like her sister or her dad come in and look in and are just like huh yeah it All like right. it's 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 funny cuz like her dad as you'd expect like any parent would do like walks in and is like what the heck is going on here but then like he just leaves <laughs> well so, like, you know what i think i did well i think i've created a monster ass and don't want to admit it be fine yeah it's always fine it'll be fine uh-huh but yeah yeah i really like lane and i'm really glad we can go through it again well <laughs> did we ever go through it to begin with no so we're going well, we're doing I mean, it yeah i know i'm, I'm I... the first time i watched it i was probably 15 yeah yeah yes. we would have been uh-huh well, yeah we would have still been in high school yeah we because won't, we i won't talk about how old i was watching I remember watching a few episodes on Tech TV and being like, no, I, I need to see this whole thing through. Yep. And then I was downloading it off of, uh, like, Napster or Kazaa or something. And I remember, like, 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 all of the different episodes were different quality and whatnot. It was horrible. And yeah, that was, back, one... that was back when I was do- downloading, like, Trigun episodes at, like, some <laughs> god-awful, like, resolution start yeah, uh, yeah. and start we're, we're the download and three hours later it was still at eight percent yeah 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 exactly uh and everything was in like 360 yeah. resolution um <laughs> what's, what's this one little episode pee? what's this and little it was just, mean yeah yeah <laughs> today's monitors it just looks like a postage stamp <laughs> yeah hey. um and it was just like the episode has subs but no audio and i was just like <laughs> you know what i'll watch it yeah <laughs> like that's how much I wanted to see this thing completed. Yeah. Uh, my first watch, my first watch was I think like yeah, like a decade ago. I was watching it on uh, some uh, streaming site or whatever, and uh, oh. 
yeah, it's like, it was cool, it was interesting, I didn't quite get all of it. It's yeah, cerebral. Uh, I, one of the things that I told Dustin, I think in the Steam chat, yeah, was basically the, the key to experiencing Lane is to understand that you will never fully understand it. Yeah, you just let you just let Lane happen to you. Yeah, we, <laughs> well, we try. There's there's a group of Wees that tried to diagnose it one night, and after several hours of going round and round and round in circles and the discussion getting exceptionally heated. Uh, I'm with I'm with you guys. Lane is something to be experienced, and then the individual takes away from it whatever the individual gets. Yeah, it's Lane is interesting, and I I wish we would get more anime like it every so often. Not um, gonna happen. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> well. It... This was a time where anime was experimenting because there was a lot of stuff that came out during this time. Um, Better oh, Man. Yeah. The, the 90s for me were just definitely the best decade for anime. You, know, you had Better Man, you had Silent Mobius, you had, uh, you had Bebop, you had Trigon, you had... Yeah, there, there was a lot of stuff. Well, I feel like, that, I feel like that, that was also at least... I'm not an anime historian, but I feel like that was at least somewhat due to um, the fact that anime actually like was starting to have a profitable market in the West. So much like how these days, like where American Hollywood directors like will include stuff for the international, largely Chinese market um, in their films. Uh, like anime during that decade was like, okay, so we've got this Western market. How do we appeal to that? Uh, so you've got like this weird stuff like uh, Serial Experiments Lane or most famously Big O, which is a show that did very well in America, but no one gave a shit about in, yeah, well, in Japan. And, uh, and Cartoon Network kind of winced and walked out on the end of that deal, but that's, that's another story. <clears throat> Uh, but yeah, so like I think I think that's at least partially responsible for some of the experimentation because like you have uh, a, like an entirely new market entering the scene and Japanese directors going like, okay, how do we uh, how do we take advantage of this new um, like this this new bunch of people we can sell this stuff to? This new cash also, cow, call <laughs> it what it big. is, the cash cow. It was a new cash yeah. cow to them. Basically, keep in mind that. Uh... Lane came out only three years after Evangelion. Really opened the door. <laughs> oh man, yeah, God. E Evangelion was kind of like one of the Evangelion, along with uh, like Akira, <clears throat> are sort of like two of the big moments in anime that kind of opened the floodgates for other anime to be made with those genres and themes. Well, um, you, you realize, I think. Okay, Evangelion was the big one because it was Evangelion which uh, was like the uh, like one of the first instances of a like an original anime series. Yeah, because uh, prior to that time, most most anime series were adaptations rather than originals. Yep. 
Yeah. Well, you know, here's the thing. Every time you guys mention the character name Shinji, I won't tell you who pops into my mind immediately. <laughs> and I have to sit there for half a second and go, no, they're not talking about him because Asuka wasn't mentioned in the next sentence. <laughs> uh, but yeah. A lot of things have yeah. happened in the last 20 years. Some good, oh, yeah. some debatable. I mean, the, the the thing that really defines, I think, the, the current era of anime, like, it has to be light novels. Like, uh, I feel like very few other things have had as big an effect on not only what anime gets made, but also, like, the the sort of genres and and themes we see in original anime than the light novel scene. Uh, not just light novels. Games. Especially, yeah, especially mobile games. That's the other side of uh, the current anime scene. Yeah, mobile games have definitely had an effect, though I would say, at least from my impression, light novels have definitely had the biggest effect on the sort of adaptations we see. Um, and also just like the, the, the style of anime, um, and the, and the plot lines of the anime we get. It's all interesting. And anyway, we should probably move on before you guys need to leave. Yeah, yeah probably. Uh, so let's let's finish up with Mob Psycho 100, um, a uh, adaptation of a comic by one, the same guy who uh, also made One Punch Man. Um, which uh, One Punch One Punch Man is definitely his most famous work, um, and it's really interesting for me to compare and contrast One Punch Man and Mob Psycho 100. Um, because both are sort of at their core comedies, though I would say One Punch Man, you know, while it leans more heavily toward the comedy, um, although it, it does still have like serious character moments, Mob Psycho 100 leans more toward the character development side of things, and it does it does so shockingly well um like especially episode six which is the one we ended on which happened to be like a surprisingly good place to end on um the stuff that goes on in that with mob um sort of dealing with his repressed self and not wanting to fight and being forced to buy sort of the polar opposite of himself like was some genuinely great writing uh well uh, well okay well yeah episode five I'm getting ahead of myself though <laughs> yeah you are. because yeah like right because yeah episode five episode five had that confrontation between uh between uh mob and teru and but episode six was the like the aftermath of that but oh, also, right, yes. it, but also started, but also started uh, delving into the moral crisis around a mob's brother. Yeah, and and that I think, yeah, that's where the show really gets intense. Yeah, but like, you, it, you know, the thing that got me is the first episodes of Mob is 
gee, what a guy will do just to get a date with a girl. <laughs> it's kind of interesting how subtly it shifts because in the first couple episodes, especially the first one, it is very much in that, you know, comedy style, like very heavily in that mood. Um, and like that, that comedy continues throughout, but by, by episode four, you start to realize that this show is actually going to be a lot more focused on the character of Bob and his internal conflicts and his feelings of inadequacy um, and his his fears of ever, like, ever going out of control. Um, a lot more than One Punch Man focuses on its character's internal dilemmas. Um, um, well, yeah, okay. But, okay, but, but, but I think... What, what's interesting about this, the real heart of this show, I think, is Reagan. Uh, because, and because what you see, there is, and, and like, over the course of the show, part of what shifts is, like, Reagan, Reagan's, like, Reagan's sense of morals and ethics, or at least the way we approach Reagan's sense of morals and ethics. Because in the first episode, you know, Reagan is this just is this like loathsome scammer. Yeah, he, manip- he, he's just like the stereotypical like slime ball con man. Right. So like he's manipulating, you know, yeah, he's manipulating mob for his own benefit. But you know, but like after after like Mob's confrontation with uh, after Mob's confrontation with Peru in episode five, what we see is that you know actually Reagan you know even though yeah he's been like going around scamming people and everything like that, but Reagan has actually been a worthwhile mentor to Mob because he he has actually. He has has actually helped Mob to uh, develop a real sense of ethics, yeah, and integrity. You know, in, in that you know he was, of a you know, I mean he he because he was pushing Mob to never use his powers against people. Yeah, and the fact that they can like have Reagan be the one to give that lesson and make it feel right and natural is is really a testament to one's writing that he was able to balance sort of Reagan's goofier con man side and this more nuanced like uh, personality that we later see because like you because like I can imagine a scenario where if the writing was not as good as it is that the revelation that Reagan is, uh, I keep saying Reagan as if he's Ronald Reagan, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, and where like we can see, uh, I can imagine a scenario, an alternate universe where the writing wasn't as good, where this just feels like weird and out of nowhere, like not in keeping with the character. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm mostly just impressed that there is as much nuance with these characters 
and it feels as natural as it does even with sort of all the screwball comedy stuff that's going on you know you know in the midst of it all um <laughs> which i should also note that like the comedy is is definitely helped uh, the drama as well with how good this anime looks um there there is there are a lot of like really beautiful scenes um and especially like when the the entity sleeping inside mob comes out uh how like is it's animated in a way where it looks like uh it, it you get you immediately get the sense of like oh this thing is a very bad news <clears throat> uh, yeah it's like yeah the, the uh like the animation yeah yeah the animation is you know bones firing on all cylinders there uh and uh, yeah bones was a great choice for this adaptation <laughs> and and yeah the art style the art style is also interesting because like like the way the characters and stuff are drawn it it sort of gets it at times it looks grotesque, but there's a point to it. You know? Yeah. And you know, and that's sort of it, it, it. What it what's great about it is sort of the way it kind of it the way it uh, adapts uh, the way it adapts one's original art style. Which, yeah. I... <laughs> it, which is definitely. <laughs> Yeah, which is definitely a switch from, uh, like, the, uh, at least the way One Punch Man was adapted. Cause, yeah. Uh, because, uh, One Punch Man was adapted from a redrawn version of One's manga. Yeah, like, you, you can definitely tell that production IG... Wait, no, it wasn't IG, it was, uh, um, Madhouse was the one who Madhouse, did One Punch Man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you can definitely tell that Madhouse got most of their inspiration from the redraw. Um, whereas Bones is looks a lot closer to one's natural style, um, which yeah. is a lot which is a lot messier, um, purposely so. Well, also just because like one when one started out, like he wasn't a super good artist, um, and he's been getting better as he goes on. Like if you look at those uh, initial One Punch Man. Uh, strips they are rough <laughs> and yeah. not intentionally so they're just they're just like clearly the work of a person who is like learning how to do art and is just kind of bad at it still mm-hmm. um so his learn to draw kit wasn't so good it gets better with yeah, age but like even even back then like it really says something that um one's storytelling was good enough that people like we're able to like get past that and still be hooked by these comics. Um, I agree. Uh, and yeah, yeah. I've... keep in mind the director of this, uh, the director of Mob Psycho was uh, uh, Yuzuru Tachikawa, who did Death Parade. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. Like as. I had my issues with Death Parade, but 
the visuals and directing were were never part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I really like Mob Psycho 100. I'm not sure if I like it more than One Punch Man. I'm not even sure if I can really fairly compare Mob Psycho with One Punch Man because even though they're both from one, they're very different in terms of what they are going for. Yeah. Um, you, you can't really say one's better than the other. Uh, they're, yeah. They're both, they're, they, they're both standalone I, I, works. I, I do really like, though, how Mob Psycho, much like One Punch Man, likes to sort of play with and subvert, like, common shonen tropes. Um, my favorite of which being... Uh, I believe in the uh, second or third episode where uh, there's a whole plot line about the telepathy club trying to recruit mob to save themselves from being shut down. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And like in a typical anime, it would end with them like realizing, Oh, the telepathy club is what I need. Um, And they join and everyone's happy. What happens in Mob Psycho is that it turns out Mob actually just wants to like get physically stronger and wants wants to improve his physical health, so he joins the bodybuilding club. And it turns out, and what's great is that like at first, like the, the body improvement club, you know, they look really scary and intimidating, but turns out they're stand up guys. Yeah, they're actually really nice. Like they let the telepathy clubs, you know, stay in their room. And they're all they're all like really encouraging to Mob. They don't judge him. And like in uh, episode five, where um, like uh, Mob is captured, like you know they come to stand up for him. And yeah, they're they're really solid dudes, <laughs> both physic, both literally and figuratively. Well, that's that's undoing stereotypes is hard to do. And I'm glad to see he undid that stereotype. Because, you know, muscle guys, muscle heads, no, not necessarily so. Doesn't work that way. But yeah, it, 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 it's, I, I really enjoyed all the, all the moments where, like, the, the self-improvement club members were all like, yeah, we're proud of Mob. <laughs> we're going to protect him. He's... We're, we're happy he's with us. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I'm, I love Mob Psycho 100 a lot, and I cannot wait to finish up the rest of it. Yep. I, like, yeah, this was my, uh, this was my favorite series of 2016. We, you and And I talked about it a lot. On a second watch, I still love it. Yeah, you and I talked about it a lot, so I understand your feelings on it. Yeah, I I definitely regret sort of dropping it early on just because I got distracted, um, by other things, uh, but I, I'm glad I'm going back to it now. Um, also, uh, before we uh, finish up the podcast, I do want to mention that uh, I finally got around to doing one of the things I kept saying I was doing, and I have now started uh, my journey through the uh, Gundam Universal Century. Uh, and I've already finished up the first two compilation movies for Mobile Suit Gundam. And... Uh, Y'all, Amaro sucks. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, yeah, he he's he's not the best Gundam hero. Uh, uh, though honestly, like, 
one of the things that surprised me about Mobile Suit Gundam is that, like, yeah, I was I was expecting the uh, the treatment of female characters to not be great, and I was you know right about that. But also on the other hand, I was it, it is like the treatment of female characters is not as dramatically worse than Gundam today. <laughs> Uh, it's actually, I think what surprised me most, most is how little Gundam has actually improved <laughs> since the original Mobile Suit Gundam. Like, yeah. like, there there are some exceptions, but for the most part, like, the, the treatment of female characters hasn't gotten a whole lot better. So, so, now that you've done that, the computer prompted question comes about, so how are you doing on Bebop? <laughs> I'll get to that later. <laughs> uh, somebody owes me one, but that's good. <clears throat> <laughs> no, I'm. T- I do these things just to make Fathomless Blue mad. Um. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, the the crystal ball is rattling its way across the table, so yeah. We're good. But yeah, I'll I'll definitely have uh, the third movie completed by the time we record next, and I'll probably have started on Zeta by then because I think Zeta comes next, or is it 08 the Mess Team? Uh, well, Chrono- chronologically, chronologically, chronologically it goes. Uh, yeah, chronologically it goes. 08 the Mess Team, uh, War in the Pocket, because uh, 08 the Mess Team and War in the Pocket take place at this, uh, concurrently with. Uh, Concurrently with OG Gundam, um, oh okay, and because because they're all like they're all like different sides of the One Year War, um, and and then after then yeah after Mobile Suit Gundam, there's uh, Stardust Memories, which is in between, which basically goes in between uh, in between Mobile Suit Gundam and Zeta Gundam. Okay. Oh, I guess like the very first one chronologically would be the origin. Yeah. Yeah. Which is still incomplete. Yeah, hey, you guys were yeah. talking about that, and I never thought that Kronos was in that. Uh, but you never know. Uh, that was a small. Yeah. I will. I will not. Ha- I, however, will not be watching Igloo. I'm going to be. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be limiting uh, my watches to the Gundam series that are actually halfway decent. <laughs> Not gonna, no gonna be suffering through the garbage. I'm not. I'm not gonna be suffering through the garbage just for the sake of completionism. Well, now wait a minute. Now a lot of us suffered through a lot of garbage anime to get to where we are today. You know, a little pain is a good thing. Just saying. Uh, just saying. Yeah, I still. I still haven't seen 08 MS Team or War in the Pocket or Stardust Memories. Uh, 08. Let's see. 08 Sunny Boy watched and gave it four thumbs down and a six pack. So, yeah. Oh yeah. Also, uh, also, I think halfway through the second movie is the first time Mobile Suit Gundam mentions new types. So I can't wait for that to get ridiculous later on. Uh, <laughs> I remember it. It doesn't take long either. Because, like, initially, because, like, initially, it's just like, oh, you're new types. You're just like really skilled and have good perceptions. Yeah, but later get, on they basically become psychics. Uh, yeah, it doesn't get ridiculous until uh, later, uh, later in Zeta. Yeah, because and then gets kind of out of control in Unicorn, I if I remember correctly. Yes, 
And that was one of the key flaws of Unicorn, was that <laughs> it had, it leaned into that new type nonsense. Couldn't, like, I think new type, new types are a blight on the Universal Century. <laughs> okay. It's one well, of the things... It, it, if Most, only if only everything could just just be double Gundam Double O and you just go Trans Am. Well, <laughs> yeah. The thing is, is that Gundam C didn't have new types. It had coordinators, but they were different. They weren't in seed mode. Yeah, which was spelled like four different ways. <laughs> yeah, the, that remind me of. Uh, uh, the way seed is spelled in FF8, where it's like capital S, lowercase e, lowercase e, capital D. Yeah, you gotta make but, it stand out. Also, seed had the wonderful Gundam acronyms of like Generation Unsubdued Nuclear Drive Assault Module, which I <laughs> just love with all my heart. There was a bunch of them, and they were all great. Yeah, like yeah, there's nu- there's also like. Jet like general unilateral nuclear drive assault module. I think was the other other one. Uh, yeah, but no, so... and I'll give it this: Iron Blooded Orphans didn't have new types. No, it didn't. I mean, it was dumb in its own special ways. Okay, it was Generation Unsubdued Nuclear Drive Assault Module, Generation yeah. Unrestricted Network Drive Assault Module. General Purpose Utility Non-Discontinuity Augmentation Maneuver Weapon System. Oh my god, gigantic, that's amazing. Gigantic Unilateral Numerous Dominating Ammunition. Uh, Gunnery United Nuclear Deutrion Advanced Maneuver System. General Unilateral Neurolink Dispersive Autonomic Maneuver System. The Neurolink Giant, one is the one I was trying to think of. Giant Unrealistic Nuclear Dams Armed Masterfully. <laughs> Wait, that, is that real or is that a parody? It, it says actually... it's real. Oh god, yeah. that's amazing. But, I don't know. I don't know what it's. It says it's from the anime. Uh, wow. But yeah, but the that's amazing. <laughs> oh, Gundam Seed, you were very bad, but also you gave some just great stuff to the universe. Uh, Gundam Seed's actually one of my favorite Gundams. It it's mine too. I I just I really like I, I like most of it and it's probably has my favorite overall mech designs. It I, I do like the mech designs in Seed. Um they're they're very much they very much got that super super robot aesthetic that I I enjoy. Um also which is why I like Gundam Double O as well, which is my favorite both for mech designs and and for story, because uh, yeah. it's because it's like because it's like Gundam Wing, but even more gay. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, uh, yeah. Also, the seed is uh, acronym is Superior Evident Evolutionary Destined Factor. What happened to the F? Oh, right, because it's seed factor. Never mind. Other great thing, other great thing about seed? Main character is DTF. <laughs> yeah. He gets it on. Yeah, I, I got it. That, that did surprise me. 
I mean, granted, he was used by her, but still. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, I think we've had. Um, enough, I think we've had enough of that. Yeah, we can't keep talking about Gundam. <laughs> we'll be here literally the next five hours if we keep talking about Gundam. Right. So I'll just leave it at that. Um, I think ending on the uh, Gundam Seed acronyms is the perfect place to stop. Yeah. Um, the next, uh, so let's see, I guess in, uh, so in two weeks we, uh, finish up Lane and Mob Psycho. Yep, uh, we'll finish up Lane and Mob Psycho, um, and I'll think of something else we can do. Is the second, uh, Heavensfield movie out, or? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah, so... I wasn't sure. I'll, I'll, I'll think of something else to do. So you're talking the 7th, right? <laughs> yeah, so uh, we'll reconvene on, on the 7th. I will think of some, uh, uh, like, uh, some other thing we can watch, likely a movie or something like that. Um, within the next couple days, I'll figure something out. Just so it's not just uh, Mob Psycho and uh, uh, Lane. Okay. But yeah, we'll be finishing those up. Uh, and yeah, uh, I don't believe we have any listener questions yet, just because I'm still catching up on editing, uh, from coming back from vacation. Um, let's see, you got my, uh, you got my audio tracks, right? Yep. Cool. I've got everything I just need to put together. Awesomeness. Um, choo, yep. Just being lazy as always. Choo, it's choo. true. Uh, just too much, too much elite dangerous, too much flying through space. Um, anyway, uh. Yeah, that'll be it for this uh, episode. You can follow me on Twitter at StiltTheGM. You can follow me on Twitter at DeathSlinky. You can leave uh, comments or questions on our uh, blog at www.projectharhi.net or at uh, audioentropy.com or at our email, uh, bakacast at projectharhi.net. All right. Um, yeah, and Ben. <laughs> Three, two, one. Kiraboche. Kiraboche. Next time on BakaCast, we'll expand our Gundam to cover another four hours. Oh, and we'll review the stuff that we were going to review, too. So you have a wonderful yeah. evening. <laughs> well played, Larry. Eventually we'll, just well do played. It eventually we'll just do a Gundam mega episode where we just take a day and then just talk about Gundam forever. Good. And everyone will hate it. Recording stopped. Did we watch Ice?